My Story podcast. That's where we sit down and we speak with different people and learn more to their story. Okay, so today we had Bruce Green on our podcast, and what a great story. I'm telling you, I think he's one of the nicest guys I know, and although he tried to argue that he might not be, I didn't believe him. His stories today were great. I I just love his dedication to the community, to his family, to doing good. Oh, this was a good one. I enjoyed Bruce uh, talking with us. I know him a little bit, but... Just from his upbringing and, and his work ethic and the things that he did as a child that led him through some of the things he is and to see him today, such a dedicated family man and um, just a positive influence on everybody he meets and, and, you know, almost a mentor to people. So it was great talking with him. Yes, I was really impressed with his early life, uh, talking about how he grew up and uh, his parents had a store and how he learned how to learn that process and learn the value of of relationships with people and, and the dollar and just how a, a, a little store in a little small town works. Yes, he's got a great story, so sit back and enjoy. Welcome, Bruce. Thanks for joining us to More to My Story podcast. Welcome to have you here and look forward to learning more about you. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Good seeing you guys. Yes. Okay. Also, I think you have a fabulous voice. Mike, does his voice sound as good as I he think? Does. He does. Yeah, you have a good you have a good radio voice. I feel yeah. like I'm gonna be replaced. <laughs> I know. Or maybe me. No one could replace you. <laughs> well, Bruce, um, thanks for coming in and you know, we've got some notes that you gave us and also some from your mother in law and your wife and we just want to get to know more about you. Let's get started. Let's, let's talk about you were born in Houston. I was. And then you grew up in Porter, Texas, correct? That's correct. I so, don't know if you know where Porter is, but um, Porter's north of Kingwood. Of course, when I was growing up, Kingwood wasn't there yet. Oh, yes. Kingwood was called Pittsville in those days because the guy, that, the guy that owned all that property was named Red Pitts, and he did pretty well when he sold it to the King Ranch people. So from Pittsville to Kingwood, I That's mean, correct. gosh, talk about a change. Marketing. Yeah, for sure. So the <laughs> yeah, King sure. Ranch folks bought that land? and Well, that's Kingwood? why it's, it's part of the King Ranch has a subsidiary that is in real estate and develops real estate. And that's why it's called that, because it was uh, they bought that property and then developed it. So when you lived in Porter, was it a was it is was it small town or like um, suburban still? It wasn't suburban when we lived there. My uh, my grandmother, her father gave her fourteen acres and her sister fourteen acres. Wow! And on her sister's property is where the Walmart is now, and wow. on our property is where the Walgreens is now. Oh I mean, you could literally see my house was exactly where the Walgreens is. So she had. Seven children. Um, she had five boys and two girls. And everybody had two acres on this compound. So we all grew up kind of in this wow. area. There was We had, you know, cattle and livestock, and we had a, a big community garden. Wow. And my father had a grocery store um, in one corner of this property. There was an old-style meat market, feed house, one-stop shop buy groceries on credit kind of old you know yes. old school grocery store so that's that's kind of the way I gr- I wish that my children could grow up yes the way I didn't realize it at the time how fortunate it was to be surrounded by all these people 
uh, and to, to grow up in my father's grocery store and, you know, but yeah, yeah it was a uh, country. So did you grow up then with all your cousins and, um, and did you do like Sunday family dinners at grandma's or anything like that? Every Sunday after church. And if everyone showed up, there were 45 people. Wow. But some people, you know, not everyone came every week and then people would bring people every week. And she would always fry chicken and have mashed potatoes, and oh. it was the it was the deal. My father's uh, four brothers, two were older and two were younger. He was the middle one, and we would watch the Cowboys <clears throat> on a little black and white television. <laughs> yes. You know that's why I'm a Cowboys fan because um, I grew up watching them with my uncles. Yes, it was great. It was really a, a good good way to grow up. Oh, that is. How many um, siblings do you have? I have one sister, five years younger than me. Okay. And how many cousins did you have in on your dad's side? Oh, there? my goodness. I'd have to add them all up. A ton, huh? A lot, yeah. 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 Did you grow up with your cousins similar? Like, like I grew up in a big Italian family, and every Sunday we all got together at Grandma's house for meatballs. And so my cousins were like my friends. So did you all grow up since you all lived in the... Yes. Yeah, that's... Yes, and my my um, my two uncles that were my father's younger brothers um, were more like bro- my big brothers because yes. we all grew up there together, you yeah. know. So your dad had the grocery store, but within that all this land was there cattle, chickens. Yes. Did any? I mean, did you work on that? And did yes. any of that end up in the grocery store? No, oh. <clears throat> it never. None of it ended up in the grocery store. There were. Um, there are specific rules about animals that you sell retail. You know, you have to go through the process. They have to be inspected. But um, we did eat those. Now, most of the cows she had were milk cows. Mm. Um, and she had chickens and she had um, pigs. And when I was really young, they would kill, like they would kill a hog on a cold, the first cold day where it was going to be cold all day so you could work on it outside. But as she got older, she quit doing that. Yes. And she got out of the livestock business but yes i've milked cows i've churned butter i've gathered eggs for breakfast and went and picked tomatoes out of the garden for breakfast and you know all that stuff you don't realize when you're doing it is kind of special because charlie and eleanor have never done anything like that yeah yeah it's tough for them to i mean besides going to livestock show and rodeo and seeing it it's tough to get that opportunity it is um, so your dad owned this grocery store, and you were pretty close with your dad? Oh, very close. So what was that like working for a family, <clears throat> working for your dad? Well, you know, I, I don't ever remember not having a job because if you grow up in a family business, you know, I'd be in the fourth grade, and I'd go with my dad to the grocery store and sweep it out, and then my mother would come and pick me up and take me to school. Yes. And then when I got out of school, I was back in the store working. And at the time, you resent it. Because right. all your friends are going to Lake Houston to camp out all weekend and fish. And your dad says, well, you could go, but we've got a couple of ba- truckloads of alfalfa coming in tomorrow that you've got to stack <laughs> in the barn. And you're like, oh. Dad. But going back now and thinking about my dad and all that I learned from my dad, who was um, the most even-tempered, rational um, the kind of guy that would make a decision based purely on fact and devoid of emotion. Now he wasn't a, he didn't, he wasn't a caring about your feelings kind of guy, right? Mm-hmm. It's a different generation. Right. He didn't care if he hurt your feelings. He cared about you doing the right thing. And still today, <clears throat> this is going to sound funny, but if I'm teaching a management class at work, I tell people 
you have to make a decision based on whether or not your father would be proud of that decision because that's how I look at it. Yes. I've got to make some tough decisions here. Yeah. Would he be proud of me or would he be ashamed of me? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he was a great guy, and I, I loved working with him. Yeah. So growing up there in Porter, um, you graduated from New Caney High School. What did, were you able to get some extracurricular activities? Did you play sports? Did you were you in choir, band, any of that? So I played football through my sophomore year. I didn't play my junior or senior year. I uh, and I was in a little little listen. The only thing I ever wanted to be at that time was a drummer in a three-piece blues band. Really? Yes. So we had a little garage band, and we oh. played little local places, and that's all I really wanted to ever do. There were two things in that time period. Yeah. I wanted to be a bull rider, which I tried several times and wasn't very good at. <laughs> um, and then I wanted to be a drummer. Now, neither of those things worked out. Yeah. I, I graduated, and I went to work uh, for Brown and Root, to make money for college. And I made like $45,000 and it's 1975 and there's so much work in Houston at that time. This is pre-1980s with the oil crash and, you know, rationing gas and yes. when Carter was president. I mean, this was... I want to cut you off real quick. Okay. You started working there, but did were you accepted or were you going to go to UT? Was that your thought? That was my thought, and I had had conversations, but I never really got accepted, no. Okay. No. And then you went to work I was going to try, though. I was going to go make money and then go yes. pursue that. I wanted to go to UT. Yes. All right, so Longhorns. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Since the 1969 championship game, Texas versus Arkansas, oh, yeah. I was 12 years old. Really? You know, Arkansas was number one. Texas was number two in the nation. And it was a hard-fought game. Um, Street was the quarterback for Texas that threw the pass that got a bit. Of, Texas won the game, yeah. and I knew right then I was 12 years old. I'm going to be. I'm going to UT. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. You also talk about that you had a dream of being a middle linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. I did, and and I know you today, and I I, I don't know if that would have happened with your your size. Maybe no. you were bigger as but, a youth. But, but when you're when you're 12, you don't you don't think about that. Yeah, you when you're 12, you're, you're like. Yeah, I'm head. going to make this happen. Yeah. It didn't. But, yeah, that's, that is yeah. definitely something I wanted to be. I was so into the Cowboys that had I been a really good football player yeah. and drafted by another team, I wouldn't have played. Wow, that's funny. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's uh, great. I love the Cowboys. Even oh, today. Good, good you for know. you. Okay, so were the Oilers a team they at were. this point? Okay, but your family still was all Cowboys. Well, here's, here's how that happened. Back in those days, there was a blackout rule. If the local team did not sell out, yes. they were blacked out. Yes. So because they were blacked out, the Cowboys were always on because nobody went to Oilers games. They yes. weren't a very good team. And the Cowboys were very good at marketing. Yes, they, they were. were on every and they team. won. You know, they yeah. were they were a good team. And <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Okay, wait. So real quick then, are your kids Cowboy fans? My kids are not really football fans. At all. Okay. At all. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and because I have kids, my Sundays are not spent planned around, you know. That's right. When I was single on Saturdays, I watched the Longhorns, and on Sundays, I watched the Cowboys. But yeah. I don't really do that now because right. there's so many other things you do with the kids oh, than yes. sit in the house and watch football. For yeah. sure, for sure. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So what was it like working for Brown and Root? You worked down the ship channel? I went to welding school at the shipyards, but 
the uh, first job I had was over in Channel View, and there's a, a big plant there that they were building. And it was just plant work on the ship channel. And I've probably, probably between 75 and 80 worked in almost all of them in some capacity. Brown and Root would have a contract. It might be with, once it was with the uh, Rainbow Bread plant to change oh, out all yeah. the Teflon rollers when the bread comes out. Yeah. You never knew where you were going. Yes. But most of it was in paper mills or chemical plants mm-hmm. or plastics plants on the ship channel. Yeah. So this was kind of in uh, maybe maybe not exact years, but close to the urban cowboy era. It was. And so, because if you drive down, you go to Pasadena today, mm-hmm. you can barely tell. I mean, I think I've had a couple of people point out that's where Mickey Gillies was. And that's right. These are the refineries that were shooting. But you, if you went through and you watched that movie, there was a lot of empty land that's now neighborhoods and, mm-hmm. and retail centers. So that boom town time of Houston, really, mm-hmm. from the 70s until, like you said, probably 82, 83, when the, the oil market kind of fell off there. And um, so, you know, how long did you do that for? Uh, from 75. Um, let me think about this. 89, from 75 oh, wow. to 89, I was working in that industry. What made you change when you left in 89? I mean, that if, you, if, if I'm thinking about it, that, that takes you probably into your early 30s. <laughs> There were times during that that um, there wasn't any work, right? There were a lot of construction workers mm-hmm. in the area, and there wasn't anything for them to do. And I didn't really like the traveling part. I've always liked being here. I'm from here. I like yes. being here. Um, and I worked for my dad in the grocery store. And the later we got in the 80s, the more I worked for my dad in the grocery store. And it kind of had thought that maybe he's getting ready to retire and I'll take over the grocery store. Yes. but. They built a Kroger about a half a mile away, and the grocery store was dying. You know, people were not—we just weren't able to compete. So um, I played com- I played on a pretty competitive softball team. Okay, wait, hold on. Before we get there, I want to circle back for a second. So as a mom of a college kid who are getting ready to graduate and trying to figure out what to do in life, as you were making the decision um, after high school and you went to work for Brown and Root and thinking maybe I'll go to UT later um, and then kind of kept going on, I'm always, I always like to ask our guests, like, how did you, what was your parents' overall thoughts about what your choices were and were they supportive? Were they hoping that you would do this or that? Were they hoping you would stay and, and work at the store and maybe take over? Just kind of curious, you know, as you're finishing high school and you're making some decisions. They were very hands-off in, in comparison to the way parents seem to be now. Yes. Okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was a different time, and they were they were very much, it's, hey, it's your decision. You're yes. grown. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll support you. Now, I always knew that, just like your children would know, if they got in really bad trouble and needed to come home, there was right. a place for them to come to. Right. I always had that support yes. of them. Um, <clears throat> but they didn't get involved in any of that. Once I was going, to, I got an offer to job to do something in Wisconsin. Oh, wow. And I went and talked to him about it. He said, that's too far away. You can find something around here. Oh, 
Really? I mean, and that would just be the way he would react. Yeah. He didn't yeah. say he didn't say no, but he was telling me no. Yeah. And I was old enough that I could have went and done it anyway. Sure, sure, sure. <clears throat> but I certainly respected him enough not to do that. Exactly. Hence the reason you went to him in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. And here's so, this opportunity. Yeah. Here's the good thing. Mm-hmm. Here's you know he's like yeah you can find something around here. Yeah. And so did you stay living in Porter while you're working at Brown and Root for the next 14 years, or did you move somewhere? No, I stayed in Porter Okay, the whole time. And did you stay with them, or you have your own little house on the compound? I had my own little house around there. Well, I never had a house on the compound, Okay, but I would have a house somewhere close to the compound. So you stayed in Porter for about 14 more years. Right. Okay. Do you guys still own any of that property out there, or has it all been sold? I have one aunt that has her two acres left. But the rest of it's been sold. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now that now that you answer my questions on that, let's go back to when you um, started in softball. I guess that was in the mid-80s you mentioned. Right. Okay. Slow-pitch softball was really big in Houston back then. And I played on a team, a very competitive team. We would typically make it to the state playoffs. Oh, my goodness. Now, we never won the state playoffs, oh. but we would get to play in the tournament. It was a pretty good team. Hey, in this podcast, you guys won every year. <laughs> <laughs> So when you're on one of these kind of teams and there's all of these guys with their egos and who's batting where and why is he batting there, and, and I was the manager player. So I'd make out the lineup. <clears throat> so I developed this system, and this was before computers. I did all this with a pencil and a piece of paper on a yellow legal tablet. Yeah. Your, your on-base percentage, your batting average, your run-scored percentage, your RBI percentage, um, your slugging percentage. And you would, I would tra- track where you were in each of the, and so there was a point associated with how you rated in all those categories. If you had the most points, you batted first. If you batted last, if you came to me and said, "Why you got me last? You don't produce, dude. You look here. Yeah. You're the least productive player on this team. <laughs> if you want to bat higher, you got to do better." Yeah. So a guy on this team was the sales manager for this company, MBCI, and he really liked that. So he called me and said, do you want to come to work for NBCI? And I said, what's NBCI? That's awesome. I know. I got this job because of softball, and I've been there for 31 years. <laughs> oh, He's not there anymore, but I'm still there. Isn't that something? It is. That I got the job because of this softball thing. I was doing Moneyball way before it was popular. Yeah, <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Wow. Well, Moneyball was, was actually, wasn't it around? No, it was late 90s that yeah. they really got into it. But he had been studying it for a while before right. that. But um, Well, great. So then you get on with NBCI. What else is going on in your life at this time? Um, you, you, when you started with NBCI, did you stay up in Porter? Were you still single? Uh, I was married. <clears throat> Obviously, that's where Amy and, and uh, Jennifer came, came along. Amy was born in 1980. And Jennifer in 1982. So it's interesting that I have one daughter that's 40 and one daughter that's six. And a <laughs> yes. daughter and son in between. <laughs> um, yeah, I was married. and, and uh, How long were you married for? Five years, six years, something like that. All right. And then, so you were you were married when you went to NBCI then? Are you, were you still married then or? No. We were divorced by then. I went to NBC on 89. Okay. And you still today, you have a good relationship with, with your two daughters, Amy. And oh, yeah. What was the other daughter's name? Jennifer. Jennifer. Amy and Jennifer. Yeah. Amy's a teacher in Montgomery, and Jennifer is a uh, manages some nurses at the Kingwood Hospital. Oh, wonderful. And um, 
you know, every now and then, Charlie and Eleanor will go spend the weekend with it, with Amy and her children. So, yes. yeah, I'm fortunate that everybody's friendly and gets along and yes. still close. Great. So you go to MBCI. Do you keep playing softball? Or? <clears throat> I played softball until I was <clears throat> 40 years old. And all of a sudden, my right knee would swell up when I ran. Yeah. So I got out of softball, and uh, I'll never forget, I quit the team. I said, guys, I, you know, I'm just gotten old. It's time to retire. Get somebody else. And then somebody didn't show up three or four months later, and they needed somebody to play, and I went and played. And, man, I hit the ball, and I took off running, and I was not moving. Oh, no. <laughs> Does that ever happen to you where you just – you just? Was, I'm like, what in the world is going on? This is all I got? Oh. I'm, you know, I'm not beating out like that's done. And then my knee would – I just had a bad knee. So I, rem- I remember on my 40th birthday, <laughs> I uh, I went and bought golf clubs. And I'd never played golf in my life. I was okay, i got to do something. Really? hmm Okay, and I think you said – up until recently, you play every single Saturday. Oh, I was in a group of guys that for over 20 years had the 7 o'clock tea time at High Metal Ranch. Yep. My uh, we goodness. Were, we were the dew sweepers. We were first off, and they knew it, right? Somebody would come want to be first, and they'd tell them, yeah, we gotta, you can go second. That's awesome. So how good did you get at golf if you played? Uh, not that No, not that good. Bruce, you played every Saturday for 20 years, and you're no good? It's well, it's a tough it is. It's not as easy as it looks on TV. Is it? Right. I am. Uh, I would be. I could go play with anyone and hold my own. But yes. I was never a. I played with some guys that got down to threes and fours. Mm. Yeah, I'm not that good. Yeah. But I enjoyed it. Did you gamble did. when you played? Yes. Yes. You'd be surprised at how guys. You play. I've played. <clears throat> I don't play very much now. You would be surprised at how much a, if you're playing for a dollar a skin <laughs> and a guy's got a five-foot putt for a birdie, how tense they'll get. If you, you play? So you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's, you'll see guys, if you don't play for money, it's just different because with guys are competitive, <laughs> yes. you know, and all kind of funny gambling games on the golf course. We would have a – we would play what's called pink ball. So if you had the worst score – on a hole, you had to hold the pink ball. And if you were holding the pink ball when the cart came around, Ooh. you had to buy a round for everyone. Ooh, yeah. You know, there was just all these little things. Yeah, it makes it fun. That is fun. And was it the same group of guys? These? Same group of guys. The group's still there. Now, the guys would come on and fall off. Sure, right? sure, sure. But the group still, I just don't run the group anymore. If I play now, I play with those same guys. Yes. I just don't run it. I used to run it. Yes, that's wonderful. Um, okay, so in this time now, so now you, you've been, you're out of your softball and you're into your golf and you're still at your, your same job. When did you beat Alice? And, and tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, I met Alice, <clears throat> let me think about this, 2006. It must have been around 2004, 2005. And one of the guys in the golf group, a guy I worked with, knew Alice. Okay. And he said, listen, I know this I know this girl. You need to meet her. And he told Alice, I know this guy, and you need to meet him. And we never did put the introduction together through him, but I knew who she was. We played shuffleboard in, um, <clears throat> on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. And I knew who she was. And it just kind of evolved. You know, I'd be hanging out. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? 
Where did you play shuffleboard? Uh, at a, a place called Bareback on Kirkendall. Is that the, and you're talking about the the counter yes. one? Yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. there today. Isn't yes, there? it yeah. is. Yeah, we don't go anymore, but yeah, uh, we have children now. But yeah, that's where we met. Okay, was, was playing shuffleboard and hanging out. I was a member of an organization called the Should Have Been a Cowboy Association. Oh, stop it! I'm serious. <laughs> And we we had fundraisers and raised money, a lot of money. The cowboys would come to town and they'd get hurt. And they don't have any insurance. They don't have any money. They don't have yeah. enough money to get home. You're talking about rodeo cowboys, right. not the Dallas cowboys. No, no, no. no. Oh. Rodeo cowboys. That's why I said, what? I should, have, I, should have, I should have said that. Oh, that's so awesome. So when they would have the rodeo in Houston here, yes. uh, the guy that owned that place would have a bunkhouse. So if they were poor cowboys and needed a place to stay, they could stay there. Awesome. He would feed them. And then if they got hurt, we had this fund, and we had these fundraisers. And Alice and I would see each other at those fundraisers. There was a big one at the uh, at the racetrack, <clears throat> a big barbecue cook-off. I was the garbage man. <laughs> yeah. you know, so she shows up, and I'm smelling like a young billy goat because <laughs> yeah. I've been toting garbage all day. And I'm like, oh, no, there she is. But oh. it just kind of evolved. You know, we were always... I have never known anyone in my entire life that is as like-minded as I am as she is. Yes. The way we feel about, I mean, we never, we just never seem to have a disagreement about anything. Yes. Um, she's, the way we feel about our children or their education or the, the time we spend doing whatever it is we do now, we both like to be involved in things. We yes. like to stay busy. We're not, you know, just stay home and do nothing, people. But yeah. It's all around the children now, and we're blessed to have those two children. For sure, for sure. How long were you married before um, Charlie came along? Uh, we were married a year. Okay. I believe when she, let's see. We were married in October of 2007, and he was born in December of 2008. Okay, okay, yeah. Because yeah. it was part of the deal. Like, she was very adamant when we met. Look, I want to have kids. Well, I was going to just ask yeah, that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to have that conversation because I was at a place in my life now. Yeah. Where, well, maybe I'm not, don't want to have kids. Right, right. Um, but we worked through it and decided, yeah. you know, you know, to do it, and it was just such a blessing. So your mother-in-law says to ask you when you first met Allison what she said about going out with you. So I knew who she was. She knew who I was. Um, we were talking. We were sitting and talking on the very first conversation we ever had. And a minute into the conversation, Alice asked me if I'd been married before. And I had. Actually, I've been married more than once. So when I told her that, she stood up and stuck her hand to shake my hand and said, well, it's been nice meeting you, and walked away. <laughs> and she was done. That was it. Things, we, we were together at a lot of these events, you know, and eventually we ended up in an Italian restaurant. And this is, I think, what Jane's actually referring to. Um, sat down at the table, and as soon as she sat down and picked up the menu, she looked at me and said, this is not a date. Oh yeah, just hardcore. Like yeah, I'm not yeah. getting involved with you, right, right? Right. Yet here we are. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I was I always kid her and say I slow played you because I was just patient. I didn't ask her. Right. I just stayed back. Just, yes. I was around. That's what she would say. Yeah. I'd look up and you're always there. <laughs> right. Oh, that's a good story. 
That's great. You know, I want to get into something else. Um, Alice mentions that um, you're a Mason. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. And uh, I believe your dad was a Mason. No, no, he was not. How did you become a Mason? And do you want to explain a little bit about what, what a Mason is? Because not all our listeners will know. Well, Masonry is a fraternal order of men dedicated to good works, actually. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's an old organization. So you're not a Mason? I'm not a Mason, but I, I know quite a few of them. Right. Um, my so, father-in-law was a Mason, and my mother-in-law lives at the retirement center in Arlington, the the Mason Retirement Center, mm-hmm. where women and widows. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. There's an orphanage in Waco. There's a mm-hmm. lot of, yeah. Masons are um, in every little town, and it's not, I don't think it's this way as much anymore, but in the little town I grew up in. The Masonic Lodge, that's where the, the banker was a Mason, the insurance agent was a Mason, all the guys in town. Yes. And you would kind of meet. So there's this, there's a kid over here that's not going to go to college, but he should, so maybe we need to have a fund or, we, you know, it's, it's not supposed to be political, and you have to believe in God to be a Mason. And there are Masonic Lodges in all the states. Um, Sam Houston started the first Masonic Lodge in the state of Texas by getting a charter from Louisiana to do it. But literally, the Boston Tea Party happened after a Masonic Lodge meeting. All hmm. of those guys were Masons, and they were meeting in a lodge meeting when they decided to go do this. I'm not saying that it was a, you know, but it's a, a, a lot of our, the, a lot of the way Washington, D.C. is laid out. There's a lot of things in our country that Masonic, Masonic, the Masonic Lodge is important. So um, one of the guys I played softball with, invited me to a meeting and you don't really ask to become a mason you almost have to be invited like you have to be and then you're vetted you know you have to get a petition signed by people that are masons and you're vetted and you have to kind of do you get like a mentor isn't there a mentor process to it there is and it there's a lot of um there are a lot of lessons that you have to learn that you have to um then they're not written anywhere. It's just the same thing everybody does, and you, you have three degrees, and you, you learn your first degree, and you have to recite it back to the entire lodge, and you have to learn it. And once you've done that one, then you do the second one. Once you do that one, you do the third one. And it's just things, you know, life lesson things. So are you currently still active as a Mason? No, I'm still a member. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I haven't, been, I haven't been going to lodge. Sure. Uh, back in those days when I lived in Porter and was involved in it, I was one of those guys that would teach the work to the new guys, right? Mm-hmm. That was kind of what I did, the mentor thing. Yeah. You know, if you wanted to join, you wanted to learn, and you were willing to dedicate a couple of nights a week, I would meet with you and we would just do this. And you have a year to go through this degree. Most people don't take that long. And I always wanted my dad to do it. He just didn't want to dedicate the time. Mm-hmm. I had an uncle that went through it with me, and I didn't realize it because <clears throat> I'd taught so many people this work. But when it's your relative, it's much different. I mean, I had the hardest time getting him through. Finally got it done. <laughs> had the hardest time getting him through. So, you know, my experience, I have probably know four or five different Masons. The first one I met was a, a college roommate who whose dad died. He was... He was actually living with, there was five of us in a house, and his dad died. And it was, you know, kind of, you know, different time being in college and having something like that happen to one of your friends. And then he graduated, and he, he 
got into business in Austin. And at that point, he came back to visit and he said he was studying to be a Mason. And he said his dad was a Mason. And one of his dad's um, fellow Masons had came and reached out to him. And it was kind of when he understood what it was and he, and he was going through that process, it meant something more to him than it did somebody else. I would say out of the five people I know, I, I know three of them, their dads were Masons, and that was kind of the draw. Do you foresee Charlie becoming a Mason? or We'll see where that goes. If that's something he wants to do, I would certainly help him with it. But that's a decision he'll have to make himself. But I, I know what you're talking about because if that guy's dad died, and he was active in the lodge, and the other lodge brothers would certainly want to do yes. everything they could yep. to be in a leadership position yes. to help him as he's going through that. Because young guys will make bad decisions if sometimes if they don't have the right people around them. It's really important to be around those kind of people, I think. Yeah. Now, you have to be a mason become a shriner. Is mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't really realize that's where the shriner comes through the mason. Right. Masonic lodges. So. The uh, you have to be a mason to be a shriner. There's actually a step in between that, but and I've never taken it. I've, I'm a mason, but I never took the next step or the next step to be a shriner. I have had conversations about it. I uh, just never have done it. Yeah, well, that's really cool. Well, with that idea, does um, do do your kids are either of them involved in scouts just as another form of community and leadership? Yes, Charlie has been involved in scouts. I think since he was five. Okay. Um, Charlie has went through all the Cub Scout program, and he's in the Boy Scout program now. Okay. As a matter of fact, Alice has taken him to meet with a den leader to go through some of the things he needs to advance in rank. Okay. And this afternoon at, I think, three, there's a ceremony where he does he has advanced in rank, and we're meeting at that Kikarello Park this afternoon. Wonderful. And there'll be a, um, not just him, him and several of his fellow scouts are getting recognized for some of their achievements. Oh, but you were not a scout. I was right. not. See, that's the interesting thing is is um, scouts play such a, a role with certain people, but a lot of, uh, a couple of my close friends, their kids went all the way through, all of them are Eagle Scouts and you know, and they and he got very involved as a leader without ever being in scouts his entire life until he had kids, and then he's like now looking at it going, well, my youngest is going to be out of the house in in a year and a half. I'm gonna. This is what my wife and I can do as empty nesters is continue to to give back through scouts as a leader to the local troops there that are the whatever the troop he's involved in. So pretty interesting. It is, and we didn't have a strong scout. You know, Porter was the country. There wasn't really anybody doing anything like that. And we got into it just because we happened to be friends with a scout leader at Tice Elementary who said, hey, we're having a meeting tonight. Why don't you come? I'm like, okay, well, I don't know anything about this. Right. But we will. I didn't realize I'd be doing tent camping. Yeah. Uh, That's where I bow out. Yeah, I know. I thought, okay, so he's going to have to camp. I'll rent a camper. You know. right. There's got to be a motel close somewhere. Yes. You know. I didn't realize when they, as a Cub Scout, you go with them. They don't send them by yes. themselves. And Eleanor and uh, Alice came to some of the campouts. So yes. We, we had to learn how to do all of those things. But, yes. yeah, it's been a good program for us. He's, he's learned a lot. Oh, that's great. Okay, so I want to uh, roll back a minute back to your job. So what do you currently do um, with your job? Like, what are you? So MBCI is a company that makes, that roll forms metal parts for construction. 
the U-Haul over there. Oh, yes. We don't make the U-Hauls, but we made all of those parts. Ah, yes. For, if it's I always say Whataburgers, the orange and oh, white panels. Yeah, for sure. We don't make Whataburgers, but if you build an orange, it's, it's a proprietary orange, and we have it. So we make the parts. You would come to us and say, look, I'm building a, a Whataburger. Here's my contract, and mm-hmm. here's, here's what I need. And we would make those parts and ship it out there. Metal buildings, metal roofs. Um, I started out as what was called a sales coordinator. I uh, was pretty successful, so they gave me an outside territory, which was um, Beaumont, Port Arthur, Lufkin, Nacogdoches, Bryan College Station, oh. and Conroe. And that worked out, and it grew. Then they gave me Houston, and then eventually I rose enough to get uh, responsibility for Texas, and then Texas, Oklahoma, and then for a while I had the whole country. Like I was the vice president of sales and all these guys. Currently, I run a little niche business, and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds, but if you're going to build a metal building, you go to a metal building company, and they do the design and the engineering. There are people that have the wherewithal to do their own design and engineering, but they don't have, a, they don't have manufacturing. So we call it componentized buildings, and it's a niche industry. Uh, I have responsibility for that group and the top 10 accounts for the company. Wow. So I'm the general man, technically. Yeah. The general manager of componentized buildings and key accounts currently. Oh, my gosh. So, Bruce, I have the feeling, like, have you just won a lot of awards in your life? Because here's the thing. You're so, like, calm and logistical, but you're so kind. I just feel like that's a great combination. Like, do you get recognized pretty often? I don't know that everyone would agree with the kind thing, but I've certainly mellowed as I've gotten older. I cannot believe anybody wouldn't agree with that. Well, I'm one of those guys that was if was in a competitive situation would certainly do his best to win. Interesting. And it, and in business especially, sure. it was important to me that if I'm competing with other salespeople over a project, that yes. I'm going to be prepared and I'm going to get that project. Yes. I was always, I don't know why, but it was always very important to be in a competitive <laughs> situation to win. Um, so I appreciate you saying that. I do try to stay calm and neutral and not let my emotions guide my decision-making process. Well, and I would imagine the way that you were raised and how you said you try and make decisions in business where your dad would be proud of your decision-making, even in a competitive way where you want to win, I would imagine still you're doing it in a very decent and in order way. It's always been very important to me Yes, to remain above board without any appearance of impropriety or not being ethical yes it's all going to be up and up if you're trying to build something and you've designed it in a way that i know is not going to work i'm going to tell you that yes and i'm not going to bid it right and other people will and it'll get built i could show you yeah. i could show you projects in harris county that there are problems with because yeah. people did them anyway and i would yeah. never do that still yeah. won't yeah and i i feel i just that i think that's very clear about who you are so you mentioned just mellowed in time, maybe gained some wisdom. Is that is that make being a father at your age of of young kids harder or easier? Or? I think easier. Easier when you're a younger person, and you'll relate to this, and you're growing in your career, and there's something you have to do, but your kids need something too. You go do your job, and you miss that birthday party or that baseball game. You've probably had to do that. Yeah, I won't do that now. If he's got a ba- if he's got some if he's he's in diving right now and he's done a lot of different things, 
but he was boxing for a while and he was in gymnastics for a while and she was in softball this last year and, and I'm not going to miss one of those opportunities now at this stage of my yeah. life that yes. I would have before. <clears throat> and if she's, she's the first year of T-ball and she's two years younger than all the other people on the team and she's struggling and maybe she makes an out and she's so upset, I'm going to go over and sit by the dugout and talk to her. You yeah. know, I'm not going to be uh, one of those those parents that get angry right. about things. I'm not going to yeah. do that. It mm-hmm. does make it much easier, I think, for me. Yes. My oldest two children, um, I was very, um, what word am I looking for? I wanted to do really well at work. I was ambitious. For sure. I was not going to be satisfied. And I went to work for them in 1989. And in 1990 and 91 and 92, I won the trophy for selling more steel than anybody else in the country. In, in 93, they disbanded the trophy because there wasn't any sense in having this competition anymore. Yeah. Not going to win. So work was number one for me back then. For sure. And it's not now. Yeah. They're number one to me now. Yeah. So when you, when you talk with your, your older daughters, do they talk about the dad you were for them versus the dad you are now? Yes. Does yeah. that, how does that make you feel? Oh, horrible. If I think about it, <clears throat> I can certainly justify it as any of us can justify anything. For sure. Uh, I thought I was doing the right thing. It wasn't malicious or intentional. But, yeah, there's definitely some um, there's definitely some jealousy there about the way I am now and the things that happen now. And I think that is just an age thing because you're right. When we have our kids and our younger marriages and our younger lives and professionally trying to do what we can and now like as an empty nester i'm a much better mom i'm super like you know whatever so uh, of course just with time and then you were given the gift of um you know a couple decades later of doing it again and doing it on your terms this way i mean that's a huge gift because it is a gift right how often do we get to do that and be at a maturity level yeah. Right. It is just, it's so different. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. I, I've had the same doctor for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, he's getting so old now, I'm going to find a new doctor. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I went and talked to him and I said, listen, this is kind of what I'm thinking. Yes. I know you and I want to know what the issues are. Is there going to be a problem? He said, it's a problem for them when they get older to have children. It's not a problem. You guys can have children. It doesn't yes. affect anything uh, chromosomally or anything, yeah. you know. And I said, um, well, so, so tell me what you think. He said, do it. He said, most guys our age go home and sit down and watch TV. You will not do that if you have children. He said, I did it. I said, what? He said, I have a second marriage and we have seven boys. Seven? Seven. Okay. I mean, come on. So he was a fan. Yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And I think in our notes, did I hear correctly that your son, Charlie, and then your granddaughter were born on the same grandson. Day? Oh, your grandson. Yes. Uh, like literally the same day. Literally. I was doing a presentation <laughs> over in Montgomery County of a new machine we had bought that we could take out to your job site and make some parts there on site. So this is something you would use if you have a really big building. You can only haul like a 40-foot roof panel, but you've got a 70-foot run. And you, there's a way to put a lap in it, but maybe you don't want to do that. So you could, you know, getting in the weeds again. So I'm driving out there, and Alice calls me and says, something's wrong. I'm going to the hospital. You need to come over here. Ugh. Well, 
on the way over there, my daughter calls and said, it's happening today. <laughs> she wanted me to come there. So I'm driving to the woodlands thinking about this, and I had to call Jennifer back and say, yeah, I've got to go do this. And I, as I'm walking to the hospital, I pass Alice's doctor, and she says to me, we're having a baby today. So we had them both on the same, just oh, random. Charlie was early. Gosh. Charlie was early. He was really small. It was really scary, you know. Um, we were up there having the baby, and Alice was very well, – she was adamant she wasn't going to take any medication. She yeah. was going to have it. Alice is an earth mother. You know, mm-hmm. she's not going to risk the child having any drugs in the system. She's just not going to do that. So she's struggling, man, and it's like I've never seen anything. Like when, when my first children were born, the dad didn't go back there. Right. You know, you right. stayed out in the, right. outside. Yeah. So I'd never been through anything like this. Yes. And I'm watching Alice just suffer, and it's just, it's, it's just breaking my heart, right? I'm just so, I'm right on the edge of being emotional. Ugh. So the plan was, when Charlie came out, I was supposed to announce the sex yeah. of the baby. We didn't do it early. Oh, yes. We're old school. Yeah, yeah. We would find out when he got here, or she got here, whatever it was. So, you know, all of it happens, and now Charlie's here, and all of that chaos in the middle of all of this, and... I'm up by her, and she says, so what is it? Well, I can't tell. <laughs> you know, the way they're holding him, and he's, yes. you know, it's, I mean, it's immediate. So I just, and I was, and I was crying yes. like a baby. And I said, it's a baby. <laughs> she still laughs at me about that. But yeah, you I, had I, one job. Yeah, I didn't do it right. Oh, my uh, gosh. Pam and I did the same thing. We didn't find out on me either. And with Lance, the, our older boy, Everybody was saying that you're going to have a girl. She's carrying it like it's a girl. So we had girl names. We had a couple of boy names. We had a lot of girl names. We were pretty close to the girl name. They, Lance comes out. It's a boy. We're like, wow. Pam like almost like sat up like, what? That's not right. That's not what everybody's been telling us. So well, see, so, I had told myself, I don't care. As long as it's healthy, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I don't care if it's a boy. I don't care if it's a girl. So, but when it was a when it was a boy, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> Isn't it weird how you've because I, I didn't have a son. Exactly. You know, and I'm 50 years old. Yes. And now I have yes. a son. I have a son. Yes. Yeah. Well, and you know what's nice about that, too, is you know that it's already different because it's a different marriage and everything. But it's it now there doesn't have to be any comparisons. It's just it's a boy, and I haven't had a boy, so now I can be a boy dad. It's just different, right? It just... Like when I had had a girl, I have a son and a daughter, and when I had my son second, I was just glad because now I knew the, uh, everything was going to be different just because it was a boy versus two girls, and then they'd have all the same. So sometimes it's nice to just have something different to just start everything different, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, my gosh. That's a great story. Oh, I know. And we're absolutely blessed because then later we have Eleanor. So it's just perfect, you know? We've got yes. the boy and the girl. and. Yeah. Yeah, but I remember when Eleanor was was a baby, you uh, and she was getting older. You still had a little trouble letting her go when you came to church. You didn't like it when she she would turn on those. Well, whenever this is it, this also happened to us, and I've got to remember this lady's name because she's not here anymore. She moved, but she kind of ran the Sunday school. When Charlie was a baby, a kid. The first time we came here and he was old enough to go to Sunday school, I took him to Sunday school and he was playing with the kids and I left. And I didn't tell him I was leaving. And I never thought about him freaking out when I he remember. looked up and I was gone. I remember that. 
And after that, we had the hardest time getting him to go. Like, he didn't want me to leave him. And there was a lady that ran it back there, and I can't remember her name. Alice is going to kill me. Was it Jenny Cheney? It was. Yeah. And she would take Charlie around and hold his little hand, take him around all the classes, and he got comfortable with her, and then it all worked out. She's the best. And I didn't want to do – I wasn't going to go through that. (laughs) If I took Eleanor to the nursery and she cried, I brought her back with me. I'm not going to – you know, people leave him back there and the baby cries. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Just not. She can go with me. Yeah, that's pretty much what was happening. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So she still has me wrapped around her little finger. Well, she has this whole church wrapped around her little finger. Well, I am not the disciplinarian in our house. <laughs> so. Well, you may not be the disciplinarian, but I hear you are excellent at a few things. Um, folding laundry. I am. And grocery shopping. But this is the one that really impresses me, and I don't want lessons, believe you, um, I, I don't want to learn this, but you're excellent at folding fitted sheets. Fitted I am. Sheets. How did that come about? Was it single or your mom or what? I mean, how do you get good at something like that? So my mom was one of those people that um, I didn't do anything. When I left my house, I couldn't cook an egg. I couldn't make tea. I didn't. That you just didn't go in the kitchen. If I wanted something to eat, she fixed it. Yeah. Uh, she did all the laundry. I had never. I can remember being. Um, Working, I was working in Louisiana, and I had to go to a laundromat. And I was standing there looking at the washing machine, trying to think, read everything. How does this work? <laughs> what happens now? Oh, my goodness. And this whole, I've always, I've always benefited from the kindness of strangers. This older woman came over to me. She said, first time, hon? <laughs> I said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, let me show you. She was smoking a cigarette. Oh, yeah. Like hanging out the side of her mouth. Let me show you how this works. And it was, uh, so she showed me. And I guess it just came from being single and having to learn how to do things. Yeah. Um, I believe very strongly that there's a lot of things that have to be done at home all the time. And if you're going to be the guy that goes and sits on the sofa while she cleans up the kitchen, that's not cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to sit down until she's able to sit. So whatever has to be done, folding clothes, cooking food, washing dishes, whatever mm-hmm. uh, we both work to get everything done so that we can both then spend some time together that's our plan so what do you guys like doing where you travel i know you're so active with the kids but what's in the what's in the future for you and your family oh we do like to travel as a matter of fact when everybody else has been hiding from the covid we've been everywhere we went where? to destin we went oh. to south padre one weekend we just went to the Woodlands Resort and hung out just to go play in the pool because yes. there's nobody doing anything. Yes. The day they said, uh, you can go to a restaurant, we went to a restaurant. We went to that same restaurant we saw oh, you yeah, at yeah, we that did. first day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, we're not like anti-maskers. It's not political. Right. I've been, since August, I've been to Montana and Idaho and California and Georgia and Florida and Louisiana, and San Antonio, West, and I mean, I've been everywhere. And I'm sure that all the airplanes that I've been on and all the places I've been, I have to have been exposed to it. And at some point, I'll probably catch it, and I'll deal with it. Right. Right? Right. Just just not going to, it doesn't stop us from wanting to do things. So yeah, if Alice and I, we had a trip planned for Disney in October, and we didn't go because we didn't want to wear a mask all day. Right. We'll go back next year. But we like to travel. We like to do things together. We went to the Renaissance yesterday. Oh. Just us four. 
Yes. And we had so much fun. The kids were just, their eyes were so big. Yes. And, you know, Eleanor wants to ride all the rides. And um, so, yeah, we do like to do things like that together to travel. Great. It's been so nice having you here today. Yes. Well, thank you. Yes. And you're a lot more interesting than what you make yourself out yeah. to be. i got to be the most boring guy you'll No, are you kidding? Long. I've loved every minute. And, by the way, congratulations. Today you were installed as one of our elders here at Northwoods Presbyterian Church. So we're excited to have you on our leadership team. That's exciting. I do believe, and this is going to sound like a cliche, that to whom much is given, much is expected. Yeah. And I have been given much, and mm-hmm. I know that. So anything that I can do, you know, talent, time, resources, whatever, to help, I want to do that. I, I, just, wanted, I just want to help. Yes. And I don't know what I'm going to be doing. He hadn't told me yet. Yes. But he will. So let me ask you before we fold, fold this off. Knowing who you were like 18 or 20 and knowing who you are now would your 18 or 20 year old be surprised to see you now or would he be oh that's so what i expected no the 18 year old never expected that he was very very self-centered very narcissistic and um was no there's been a lot of there have been a lot of um, growth opportunities through experiences that turn you into whatever it is you happen to become, right? Yes, for Random sure. things, things that are things that are not good, yes, right? Yes, for sure. That you can either learn from or uh, fail to. Right. And I choose to try to learn from those experiences and do yeah. better. Just, yeah. So with Charlie and Eleanor, are you going to have the same mentality your parents have and let them have some of those experiences? Because I'm, I'm closer to it than you are. My, my kids will be going off to college or getting out of school and doing something before Charlie and Eleanor get there. And I think that's going to be a harder place for me. It is, because I know that I have to let him fall in order to learn how to get up. Right. But it's so hard for me. It is so hard for me not to just—he was um, boxing. He wanted to be a boxer, and I'm not talking about old. I'm talking old school boxing. I'm talking about he's in a room with all sorts of people in all ages. Yeah. Like there were 30 year old guys in there that were boxing in this gym, and the instructor was uh, foul mouthed and just aggressive. And I didn't think you know Charlie's a little suburban kid. He's not going to put <laughs> up with this. But he did, and then we were one Saturday morning. We were sparring. He was sparring. And he took her right to the right here, and it just broke my. I just wanted to go pick him. I mean, I saw him. I saw him fold right. I just wanted to pick him up and take him home. And he walks over to me, takes a bottle of water, swishes it because he's bleeding. So, oh you know, he gosh. spits out the blood. He spits out a tooth. <laughs> and I thought, oh, we're going home for sure now. Yeah. And he went back in there and finished it and did better. Yeah. He learned from it. But I wanted to take him home. Right. But the right thing to do was to let him learn from it. And I got to do that. Um, he's a good boy, and we have a great relationship. Yeah. And, but it's, it's going to be hard. I know yeah. what you're talking about. It's going to be hard. Bruce, I think you need to put that little tooth on a chain and wear it as your <laughs> reminder. <laughs> no, but it, it is, it's, it's hard. But it's, it's the best thing we can do for them for sure. It is. Yeah. I've just got to try to do that. Yeah. 
Well, thanks so much for being here with us. It's been a great conversation, and I appreciate you giving us the time. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to More to My Story podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review us on your podcast service, and please also share us with your friends and family. You can find more about More to My Story podcast on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages.